Hey, it's Alan. And Hi, I'm the Barbie shoe that you lost down the back of your sofa when you were eight years old and found again when you were 21. Sarah. That's Sarah. Uh, welcome to Juvenalia. I'm, I'm guessing a lot of you are listening for the first time. Welcome. Um, so yeah, hello. What we do here is we get an interesting person and get them to talk about a piece of pop culture that was important to them when they were a child. We've somehow today managed to get Sarah Quinn from Tegan and Sarah. We're still not sure how. And she was uh, absolutely lovely and very, very interesting. Yeah, so like, um, we hope you enjoy the podcast and subscribe and go listen to some other episodes. We've talked about Jaws and The Fifth Element. And, and Jurassic Park. Park Anti-drug ads from the 1980s. All the Christmas specials that you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Never-ending story. Yeah. Uh, we've torn them apart and looked at them at every angle that is humanly imaginable. And uh, we hope that you enjoy going back through them with us yeah so we won't keep you uh, we'll see you in about 20 minutes after you've listened to us talk to actual Sarah Queen from actual Deacon and Sarah if you have something you'd like to talk about we could start start with that um, no I can I can jump in I mean you you're sort of looking for something sort of you know that was maybe um, uh, resonated with us when we were when we were younger from 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 pop culture yeah, exactly yeah, yeah 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 um, well I will say that we grew we grew up in a house where there was you know it was music television was on every single day my parents were very young when they had us they were 22 so i mean we grew up listening to um the music that they cared about and they were young hip people so um nothing was too, was nothing was taboo i mean we we <laughs> like we listened to it all heard it all saw it all um but i would say that uh madonna's truth or dare documentary is like was a was 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 pivotal, and it's in my mind right now because I saw that the there's a new documentary coming out about the dancers and sort of what happened with them um, after that oh my period God, of like time a, in in there. Yeah, behind I the music. Saw, it's it's like it's crazy. It's crazy. I was like, um, my you know my my all of a sudden my like. 1990s like teen well barely a teenager went crazy because i just was like oh my god i need to know what happened to all of them you <laughs> it's know the best and, feeling uh, it's like i was it was fantastic but it's weird because i think with madonna you know with, there's so many different entry points like you know someone today might think of her as i, I mean i don't know what people think of madonna now if you were a, a young person but for me she was like the um like sexiest but also scariest person yeah. in pop music. She was really dangerous back then. She was so dangerous. Yeah. And it was like, she pushed, it was like, it was so thrilling to watch her, but it was also like, I I think she was the, she was the person who, um, you know, was, there was an overt sexuality and I was probably just at right at the cusp of like discovering my own sexuality, like not just mm-hmm. being gay, but like just generally thinking about sex and recognizing sex as like a thing that, um, would make other people uncomfortable and was of interest. And so the truth or dare documentary was something that I, no one told me I wasn't allowed to watch it, but like, as I was watching it, I kept thinking like, am I supposed to be watching this? And it also just as a form, you know, the, the, the it's like, I mean, it's sort of invented. I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong and I don't know, but it seems to me that that documentary sort of beca- has become like a baseline for like a lot of, uh, reality-based stuff that artists do, behind-the-scenes stuff and things on MTV. And, it, I mean, it's just sort of like, it's a whole genre of, of um, you know, a whole genre in, in, in filmmaking in our industry. But to me, the only time I remember even seeing that was, was, was Madonna. 
And what an amazing warden she was, you know, of, of, of all the pop culture figures to find and follow and be inspired by, especially like looking at something that was quite sexually taboo. Like Madonna would be the person that you'd think, well, yeah, go go after her. Like she had a certain power <laughs> or something, you know? I think so. And I I'm, I always wonder about, because obviously like I talk about this with some of my my friends, whether they're like straight or they're gay or they're male or they're female, however they might identify. Um, you know, it was a very specific time in uh, my sort of like adolescence where there was a lot of really powerful women and they were very um, like, I'm thinking like, uh, you know, uh, Whitney Houston, I remember mm. when I was in seventh grade released, um, I will always love you. And that video for the bodyguard movie she was in. And I just was like, I felt like so weird when I would watch it. Cause it was like <laughs> obvious that she was like, really like, <laughs> like she's like one of my roots, you know, like I just was like, this lady makes me feel so funny. Like I don't, <laughs> what's all this joy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I was so, so in a way, you know, most of my friends that I grew up with, they were straight. And so for them, you know, Madonna or Whitney Houston or whatever, like, um, Cindy Lauper or Kate Bush or Annie Lennox or whatever, they were maybe looking at them as like style icons mm. or like they're cool. And I was like looking at them that way too. But then I was also looking at them as, uh, as women whom I was attracted to as yeah. well. So, I mean, my experience with pop music, sometimes I find I relate more to like teenage boys. Like when I like when I talk to my friends, when they, when they like describe their feelings about music and their, adolescence I'll like relate to my guy friends who identify as straight more than sometimes my girlfriends because they're like I know Madonna her clothes were amazing she was so cool and I'm like I didn't really think about that I was mostly thinking about how I wanted to make out with her like (laughs) And it's that amazing intersection of wanting to be someone, but also wanting to be with somebody that happens so completely, especially during a queer coming of age where you're seeing these amazing women in in music and in cinema and the the, the wanting to be with them and wanting to be them, it like kind of lives side by side. Do you know, it's interesting you say that because up until that point, I had been really drawn to um, men, you know, just like quite organically, like Hmm. as a kid, it was like, I love, I mean, this is the only way I can explain my love for the new kids on the block. It's like, you know, (laughs) girls were like hysterical and like acting like, oh my God, but like, I wanted to be the new kids on the block. I wanted Mm. to like wear their bomber jackets and like have one earring. And like, I, it was, it was, I didn't realize that it was very innocent and sort of, it was very uh, dislocated from like any kind of sexuality, but it was like more about gender identity. I was like really drawn to men because I wanted to like style myself after them. And women only really started to sort of like crack my, you know, headspace um, once I was like 12. And then I was like, whoa, girls, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, obviously. Right. (laughs) There they are. Yeah. Yeah. It was so weird. (laughs) Yeah. That's fantastic. That's so interesting. Like the idea that gender sort of forms as part of your identity long before puberty, you know, you already know, like it's so clear. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so obvious. That's why when, when Tegan and I, when we sort of came out at, in different stages of, of our uh, teenagers, but like my mom, anyone, anyone who would act like really surprised, I would be like, you've got to be joking. Like, (laughs) I mean, you knew something was going on. I mean, like there was a number of areas that we could have like, you know, like that could have ended up being, uh, you know, being possible, like, don't act shocked. Like, my, I remember my mom, when I came out being like, 
really devastated, you know, and I mean, I'm not trying to laugh at her. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a big deal. It was, the, it was 1998. It wasn't like now maybe where, you know, there would be some preparation or some language or whatever. It was like my mom, I remember her crying and saying yeah. like, I just, I've I always wanted to, I just always imagined you getting married. And I was like, married? Like what? <laughs> I, who cares about that? Like that didn't, didn't even, didn't even register for me. And I was like, I'm sorry. I've been, I've like kept my hair short and I've been wearing like, boys clothes and had like one single earring and like Tegan and I, our nickname for each other when we were little was brother. Like you've been imagining me in like a flowing white gown walking down an aisle. Like what planet are you on? (laughs) That really speaks to the time difference though as well, that even 1998 doesn't feel like that long ago, but culturally things have leapt so, so steeply since then. I think homosexuality was just about legal in Ireland at that point. I think it was only legalized here in 1997. Like that's how progressive we were, you know, as a state. So oh different. my God. I mean, I, in, when I was in high school in, uh, 1996, I guess it would have been 1996. Um, I took, uh, like, you know, you could take like extra classes, like, you know, you could take like a, a French or you could take German. I took psychology and, in and I remember the teacher handing out these, um, you know, photocopied sheets, um, you know, worksheets about what we, you know, vocabulary and sort of things that we were going to talk about. Um, and it was a, it was a, it was a, it was focused on mental health and mm. uh, it was straight out of like st- photocopies straight out of the DSM, like the, the mental health handbook, you know, like clinical handbook. And there was a, there was like, a, this is so crazy, but there was a paragraph about homosexuality and lesbians and it was crossed out. And I just remember thinking then, you know, like, like that, that's my earliest formation of like, Oh, I know I'm, I already know that I'm gay and maybe I'm not like, saying that yet but I know it and then this is my early experience is seeing it as a disease like that you know I always use that as an example of like it can be challenging and discouraging even today 2017 to look at LGBTQ advancements and rights and you know whatever but then I I remember things like that and I go like at least we've come that far at least you know there aren't going to be kids getting well who knows with Trump but I mean Mm -hmm. Up until now, I, I at least I could I could count on the idea that you know our educators weren't going to be handing out worksheets that um, you know were <laughs> were calling people like me mentally ill. You yeah. Know? Mm. So, so things have moved forward at least that much. And I guess yeah, now yeah. there's more like because say Madonna was a a big icon for you, but there were very few queer icons who were actually queer. Yeah. yeah. Whereas now there are a lot like like you and Tegan are like our other co-host Ellen who isn't here today. Um, wanted us to ask you, do you know how iconic your monotaire was for like young queer girls? And like, I mean, I you... think that it's, it's obvious to us that there's still, um, there's still a pretty big gap between, uh, the sort of accepted, the accepted pop status for queer men and queer women. Like, mm-hmm. I think, I think that it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, for me growing up, I, again, I wouldn't not, I would not have necessarily delineated between like who was a queer pop star like literally was gay and then who just kind of was like gay you know yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you know like I didn't know I didn't know if David Bowie was gay or if Prince was gay or if Madonna was even gay I mean to me she was gay enough you know like yeah. I didn't yeah, yeah. know it just to me because their because their sexualities didn't necessarily um you know fit within these sort of like predetermined boxes of like square society, I just was like, oh, this is amazing. And then, you know, when I think about the 90, 1990s and then the early part of our career, it got super gendered again and really coded. It was like, you know, you had to be a strict, kind of like a straight person. It was like really dangerous to sort of play with 
um, gender identities and those types of things. And it was very obvious to me that Tegan and I broke rules just by looking Mm -hmm. a certain Mm -hmm. way. And, um, that was, it was, it was sometimes even subconscious. Like, you know, we would say it to journalists and they would be like, I I don't know what you're, I don't know if you're right there, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, oh, please. Like, you know, we would, we would read our press and it was like, you know, lengthy paragraphs of descriptions about our audience and what they looked like Mm. and how they, and they needed to describe it because they wanted everyone to know, like, they weren't that, you know, they're not, they're not that, they're not those lesbians who go to see other lesbians play music. Like it was just like such an old fashioned time. And I think that our willingness to sort of take that on and, you know, be kind of trailblazers during that time when it was not cool. Um, you know, it's, I know it's made an impact on people, but I, 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 not to say that I'm disappointed, but like, I'm, I'm, I can't believe it really did take this long for more people to start doing it. And I'm, Mm. I'm actually very encouraged by, how many young pop stars and actors and models and, you know, people in the public eye who, like, in my opinion, don't really have that much to lose. Like, I'm just like, like, it's different when we're talking about, like, people in the military or teachers or something. Like, I'm yeah. like, that to me is, like, loaded. Like, you know, there's still there's still danger. There's still, um, there's still possibilities that you can't, uh, you know, that you can't. I don't know, have, that you can't guarantee your dignity or your safety or your employment or your housing opportunities. But, like, if you're just, like, an actor, like, really, you can't come out? Like, why? Yeah. That's true. That's very interesting about the culture of ambiguity that you're talking around about with um, Madonna and Prince and Bowie, this sort of holy trinity of are they, aren't they, and the power that that, that held. You know, I relate to that very deeply. Like, that's say, I think those were three really important icons in, in terms of ambiguity. Um, is there anybody at the, like at the moment, who you feel is doing that kind of thing, aside from yourself and Tegan, who, uh, for young queer listeners especially, who you feel is is making similar moves in that direction? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because there's, there's definitely, like, you know, bands that are out and gay and are fine with talking about their identity, and that, to me, is, like, incredibly powerful. But I still think we're living in a, in a day and age where, you know, to have somebody like Miley Cyrus um, talk about having a sort of spectrum um, of gender identity, or you know, I I make this argument <laughs> when when we put out boyfriend, our first single off this record. You know, a lot of journalists wanted me to kind of go after Katy Perry and I kissed a girl or Demi Lovato, cool for the summer. Or like mm. they would sort of go, well, your song is real, like it's a legitimate narrative. You know, blah blah blah. And I was like, don't underestimate the impact at this point of of sort of like removing that weird stigma about gay people, like a straight icon singing about having like a nonchalant like flex it, flexible attitude <laughs> is amazing like you're not gonna I'll tell you like you know forget Katy Perry and Demi Lovato what if Tom York released a new single and it was like I kissed the guy it wasn't oh that big of yeah. a deal yeah you know like like to me it's like we there's a sort of like there's this sort of like you know, whatever Katy Perry released a song like it's no big deal and it's like actually it's a huge deal and it's probably you can probably draw a correlation you know about um, you know women right now when you look at the statistics of who is self-identifying as you know um, somewhere on the spectrum whether where where you know whether that's gender or that's um, sexuality women our percentages go up every year there's a there's a, we feel more comfortable and the and the reinforcement of certain types of you know I don't know like stereotypes or expectations for men, they're like, they get harder and harder and harder. And, um, I think, you know, 
I think that those of us working in pop music who um, and again, Bowie and Prince, I would I would lump in here. Like, there's been a real movement to sort of make femininity and and address and, and acknowledging your femininity. Like, there's something really beautiful and powerful about that. Whereas there's still something about like, you know, a straight guy singing about that would just like, I mean, I don't know. They probably give like Tom York a Nobel Peace Prize if he yeah. wrote "I Kissed a Kissed a Boy" and I liked it. Yeah, I want to hear that Ed Sheeran album. I want to see what that would sound like. I would, be, I would absolutely be captivated immediately. I want to hear what your summer was like, Ed. I want to know. Oh, that's true, man. Maybe he'll do it. Who knows? Someday. It's yeah. It's it's weird that like female pop stars seem. I, I don't know if they have license. They've, they've just taken the license to be fluid. Whereas like the whole male indie rock scene is completely. It's so straight. Way. Like it's you, you just can't there's, imagine. Like the the idea of Tommy Ward doing that seems like just ludicrous. That's that's sexu- that, isn't that what sexuality is though? It's like yeah. men do the thing that like men do the thing that it makes them powerful and strong and whatever. Women are allowed to be seen as, as vulnerable or as sexy or as submissive or whatever, you know, mm. whatever spectrum of things. Like men you know, even even to some degree, indie rock, which is like sort of like not exactly the most like masculine of like areas for for musicians or whatever. It's like even even in those songs, at some point, I was starting to feel like, well, this doesn't have as much dimension as pop music. Like, you know, hmm. I'd ra- I'd almost rather listen to like a um, like I don't know, like a Maroon Five or something. Like, there's actually something a little more three-dimensional about a person who allows themselves to be a sex symbol and enjoys it and sort of winks winks you know at you about it like i actually find that sort of more intriguing than you know like a guy with like a beard who's like crying and like being like (laughs) i don't know like whatever i just am like i don't i don't know like that to me that at some point it just stopped being that interesting yeah it lacks a playfulness i feel and i think that was kind of again the holy trinity situation with people like madonna and prince and bowie is that they there was a playfulness behind a lot of yeah. it as well there was absolutely winking at the audience or even Freddie Mercury you know oh yeah full of on tongue in cheek and that uh, yeah. was so so important you know yeah it really was and it's to me that's those that's the sort of like um the the catalog or the images and videos and music that I go back to if I'm if I'm going to be sentimental and I'm sort of yeah. going to sort of like go back down the you know and and yeah, I mean, even to some degree, I don't know why this just popped in my head, but like, like Bono in the like eighties was like pretty, like that wasn't like the most masculine look that he had going on. I'm going to go right like, through a Google image search right now. Was, I want to see this. Yeah, like, <laughs> very flowing wavy I, hair. Yes. Yeah. He had like long hair and it was like, you know, he was, he wasn't exactly butch. Like, you know, and it's interesting. And I know this. Oh, wow. I I've with, just like, seen a picture. Yeah. He's got, right. Like, yeah. So I think for me, like you know, it's interesting because I'm so I'm so relieved that I I grew up during that time because I was I was an androgynous person. I was yeah. an androgynous kid. I wanted I didn't want to be a boy. Like I didn't want to be like I'm a boy. But I wasn't really that comfortable with being a girl. And I had all these images of men, specifically men, when I was younger, like people like Bono and Prince and you know um, uh, David Bowie and like all of those, like Robert Smith, like all these people that I would see these images of, Morrissey too. It's like there was something beautiful about them. They didn't hide that they that they could also be, that they could be beautiful. And I think men now are just like, the only place I really kind of see that happening is, is in pop music. Although I feel like it's a little bit happening in hip hop, which I find really interesting. That's true. Like Shamir uh, is an amazing yeah, Shamir, artist. Yeah. And also, um, 
like the you know even I mean like this is going to potentially seem kind of controversial, but like you know there's something kind of to me like uh, about Kanye West like and his like his interest in fashion and the way mm. that he's sort of like and there's there's to me there's like that's a whole other that's like that's, oh, that's a rabbit hole absolutely yeah but um but like to me there's it's like he's oh, I think he's like a part of like a, a whole wave of hip hop artists that have like you know probably borrowed from the female from the from the women who came before them people like Erica Badu and Missy Elliott and yeah. Queen Latifah and all of these people who were like so playful with their image and turning gender on its head and doing all of these things and now the men kind of feel comfortable to do it and so like like people like I think it's really changing things. Yeah, and hopefully it will continue to change as well. I feel like that that fluidity and that place where femininity isn't weakness, rather it's 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 power and it's exciting and interesting. Yeah. Like that's that is the more and it really when we come down to music as entertainment, it is something that deeply enriches our lives. Like surely we want it to be more of a meeting of genders and more of a collision rather than keeping things so binary. Oh, for sure, one hundred percent. Okay, I think. Will we let great. you go? Yeah. Thank you so much that for giving brilliant. us your time, Thank Sarah. Thank you, yeah. Oh, my pleasure. It was lovely to speak with you guys. Thanks yeah. so much for um, for including us. No, we cool, really, really appreciate it. We hope you have a terrific time in Dublin when you come as well. Um, so we're so excited. We've always had such a great time. So we're looking forward to it. Thanks again. That's great. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Bye. So that, that was Sarah Quinn. From, Isn't she? From Tegan and Sarah. The soundest person that you've we just ever talked heard. to. Yeah. What a lovely woman. That was so, amazing. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, we're both, we're both really happy now, really yeah. buzzed. I was like, God, that was just like so refreshing. What a sweet, sweet person. So if uh, if you're hearing this today, it goes out, then Tegan and Sarah are playing at Baker Street this Sunday. So like the new album's so good as well. Just it, like you heard her talking about Madonna and Bowie and Prince and stuff. You can hear all of it on there. And Bruce Springsteen as well. I'm hearing in there. It's just a really, really good album. And their live show is cool. So go to that and we talked to Sarah Quinn. Yeah, that yeah. was amazing. Um, so thank you to Alan Ben for producing this episode and thank you to Dean McDonald for the artwork. Thank you to Sarah Quinn. Now oh, thank you to Sir Fanagan from uh, Aiken for setting that up for us. Cause that was a really, we, really we lovely thing to do. to do that. Yeah, we, <laughs> we don't have her phone number. We're huge fashion monsters in the 70s sitting room. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, that, yeah, we're shell shocked a bit. Yeah, the okay. best kind. Hope you enjoyed that because we did. Bye. 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 <laughs> this has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.